0: This is your station, Echo Box Radio. Welcome to Talk That Science here on Echobox Radio, I'm Nicoleen and I'm Nikki, hello. And together we host Talk That Science. We play some nice
1: tunes and introduce you to the coolest research. The topic of today will be gender and race bias in science. This means that we will take a bit of a different perspective today. Rather than discussing a specific scientific topic, we will take scientific practice itself as our subject and discuss the position of women in science and that of racial minorities.
0: And um, nowadays, especially in STEM, so that's science, technology, engineering and math, uh, but also in areas like philosophy and law, uh, women and racial minorities are underrepresented. In the Netherlands, only 35% of the people who uh, pursue a, a career in academia are women uh, and it feels like computer science we even see that only 15% of the students are women even though data on the representation of racial minorities is harder to find we know from a study performed by Gloria Wecker that only 4% of the Dutch staff at the University of Amsterdam has a non-Western background and what's worse we hear that 42% of that staff experience discrimination in the workplace
1: Yeah, so besides the fact that women and racial minorities can experience discrimination uh, in in academics, we also want to discuss two other aspects that are less obvious about the situation. So the first is that women and racial minorities may subconsciously be considered to perform worse in science simply because we have not seen them represented yet in academics. And the second is the fact that uh, their underrepresentation may affect the findings of science itself and the way that new technology is designed. And I recently read a book called Invisible Women by Caroline uh, Criado-Paris, if I pronounce it correctly. And a lot of the facts and statistics that we will use and mention in this talk will, will come from this book. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. and uh, Well, we're not going to discuss this only with the two of us. We have two guests here today. Um, the first one is Ro- Rosie Zeng. Uh, you've done a bachelor's in psychology and artificial intelligence, and you're now doing a master in artificial intelligence as well. And you also work for VHTO, which is a national organization to improve gender diversity in science and also in uh, IT, and, uh, do, and you do public affairs for Asian reasons. Um, Well, first of all, welcome. Very nice that you're here. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Can you uh, explain uh, what kind of platform Asian Racins is?
2: Yeah, so Asian Racins is a national platform that wants a country free of xenophobia and racism and racist stereotypes. And so we do this by all kinds of activities. Uh, For example, um, now we're busy with the campaign Stop Hanky Panky Shanghai because we see that on. Very many pri- primary schools this song is still sung and yeah that's not a good thing because people get excluded because of that people get bullied because of that uh, also we had the campaign ik lach niet which is uh, i'm not laughing and that was um i post on instagram with a face of an asian person with a comment that he or she or them uh, sometimes heard um yeah so we do that but we also resolve conflicts um such as um yeah, some racist behavior on the streets or on work. Uh, So we get those reports. And then with the public affairs team on which I am in, we try to resolve them by, for example, writing letters um, or contacting specific organizations or companies about their racist behavior. Um, And then hopefully it stops or otherwise we like continue them further. Uh, We also have
1: individual cases, so people can contact you guys if, if they would like help, right? If they want to uh, approach someone and con- confront them with things yes, they've true. said. Right?
2: Yeah, and we have this thing called Meltpunt, So it's kind of a reporting point where people can uh, yeah, report all kinds of incidents which happen to them. Um, and then some of these incidents we pick up and some others we send them through, um, for example, MDRA, which is a Meltpunt discrimination for the region of Amsterdam or another region in, uh, in the Netherlands who are especially... Um, yeah, focused on anti-racist behavior in mm-hmm. the Netherlands. And yeah, we kind of work
0: together with them as well. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, well, and the second guest is Merel Dab. Uh You're now doing your master's of medicine and you're part of the Erasmus School of Color. Uh, can you explain what they uh, stand for? Uh,
3: yeah, um, Erasmus School of Color Um with a group of other students, uh, students of color, we came together to actually discuss things that we saw on campus or during class. And um, we actually formed a safe space together. And then we were like, oh, we can actually create a collective and do something more about it. Uh, create awareness, but also create awareness among staff and at the university and be critical of the university in what they're lacking or that are not facilitating a safe space for students of color or uh, marginalized groups and um, we've organized events we do reading sessions um, um, we organize also uh, sometimes classes for different uh, staff members and tutors during their classes so that's also really nice and um, we also go to protests. The nice. V- a few weeks ago, there were a lot of protests going on. And uh, it's actually really nice that some people don't want to go alone or it's the first time they go into a protest. And we're always open, like, you can come with us together. We can travel to Amsterdam just to go together and see how it is and to experience that and also show your allyship. So that's... Yeah. That's nice, yeah. Nice.
1: What kind of protest was there last week?
3: Uh, we went to the one um, uh, about Afghanistan. There was like a trans... Um, uh, for trans people, there was a an, uh, an protest also in Amsterdam. Um, so yeah,
1: nice.
3: those were the recent ones uh, that we visited.
1: Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, so um, the first subject you wanted to go into is kind of uh, our own or your experience... In high school, and then later in going to university, um, because we know that from a very young age already, we are taught to think that um, that women are less likely to be scientists than men. At least this we know for sure, and probably also for racial minorities. But there's a bit less data on this. Um, but for example, one one example is that um, when when girls start primary age, so before yeah, the first experience they have with school, basically. Um before that, they are as likely as boys to think that women can be really smart. And this was shown by an experiment done. So they, they first did it with the girls who hadn't started school yet. And they, they asked them to participate in a game. And it was kind of marketed as a game uh, for which you had to be really, really smart. And all the girls before starting school, they were like, yes, of course, I will participate. And then exactly one year later, after having been in school for one year they didn't want to participate as much anymore as as the boys did. Cause, so the boys, after one year, were still like, yes, let's participate in this game for really, really smart kids. And the girls weigh less. Um, so this is one example that illustrates this nicely, I think. Um, but so, yes, we wanted to ask you both, like... If you experienced uh, that it was less expected of you that you could become a scientist, so Miro, maybe we can start with you first. So, and specifically, like as a black woman, did you, yes, what did you notice in high school and university?
3: I, I'm honestly in high school. I didn't really experience anything negatively about uh, pursuing science because. My school was, my high school is actually very focused on the science and scientific part. Oh, yeah. Uh, we actually are, my older high school, my old high school is actually is one of the few schools in Nederlandse that's a technasium. So, they really focus on robotics and mathematics and on physics. So, it was actually expected of like a lot of people to go the, into that direction. But it's really interesting because my class of all the girls almost... I'm the I am another girl doing medicine, and the other girls did something else. My friends are studying something um, law or economics and stuff like that. But it was very re- it was very encouraged in my high school to actually do something scientific. Nice. So it's in, in my in my uh, perspective it was different. But at university, then you see the difference because people. Like, you come on campus, you have to show your ID because people don't believe that you study there. I've, no way. I've had that before on the faculty. Um, when you're in the canteen and you're with your laptop, I was writing down my schedule in my journal. And there were also other people in the in the canteen and people just, like, walk up to you and like, oh, so I want two teas and one coffee. Yes. People, people just, there's nothing wrong with being a coffee lady. I wasn't even insulted by it. But the thing is, like... I was the only black woman in the room, and you automatically assume that I am the coffee lady. I was sitting there with my laptop, so you know so that was that is, it's not they blend me racism or stuff that I experience in my face, but it's usually the microaggressions yeah it's just the smaller things, and that builds up eventually and those are the things that I've experienced on campus
1: yeah, okay, yeah, that must make it way more difficult, I guess, to feel also confident at university yeah. Yeah and and do you feel like when you look at your teachers at university are there any uh doctors or teachers that have a different uh back, racial background or how do you say that
3: Not no not I've never I've until now I didn't have haven't have had a lecture of a, of a of a black woman specifically one time mm. one <laughs> time Yeah and I've been studying there for like yeah for almost for 4 years I think yeah, yeah. so yeah which no, is just
0: one time. weird, right? Because I, I think, especially in medicine nowadays, more there are more and more female doctors. So I also, in some past, I also did some courses in medicine. And then <laughs> here at the uh, University of Amsterdam, there was this uh, big... Lecture hall, mm-hmm. and I just remember I had a lot of pictures, yeah. and it was only men. I was like, why? Because there are so many female doctors. <laughs>
3: we have that too, at my faculty medical faculty. We have all the all the pictures of the emeritus hooglera They are mm-hmm. like all white men. It's like no. Maybe there's one woman. I'm not sure, but it's like overall one all white man. When I got my bachelor degree, I was like, I need to make a picture in front of that mm-hmm. with my with my with my degree. Yeah. It's like, I'm gonna get here one day too. Yeah,
1: That's, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's it's it's sad, and it also it f- makes you feel less included and less welcome because it's like, what is the message you're trying to bring out if that is what what
1: what your institution looks like? Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Thank you for sharing and and what about you, Rosie? Did you notice uh, similar or yeah similar things as an Asian woman in university and high school before that?
2: Yeah, in high school, I kind of stood out because, like my high school, I think I know one other Asian person and all the other people were yeah mostly white, maybe also maybe like two black people, but furthermore, it was the majority was white um and also because that yeah, people looked at me and thought that I didn't belong there and uh, also I heard some things like yeah go back to your own country so I was bullied for a period as well uh, but luckily mm-hmm. the school took that seriously but I know a lot of incidents in which the school doesn't take that seriously and then it goes on and on uh, yeah that's so that creates a feeling of not being welcome as well yeah and also what you told about university like all the pictures and I have the same at the University of Amsterdam also I said about university where I study right now it's mostly white male men yeah so also when i looked on the website for uh for my track uh, neural computation i only saw white men i thought like why is this the case because they are developing the products of the future and when there are not females in there or people of color then it's not
1: really rep- representative for like the whole population so what are we doing then yeah yeah, I can imagine. And do you also notice that sometimes people don't expect people from outside science that you actually do like the science you do? Is that also a thing that both of you...
2: Um, yeah, maybe first in high school because I was like pretty social and also always with friends. And then people said like, oh, you should do economics or something with society. Definitely yeah. not something with IT because that's for nerds and it's only sitting behind your computer. Well, that's not not the case. So
0: yeah. It's very uh, yeah, stereotyping.
1: Yeah, exactly. These stereotypes are very strong. Mm-hmm. What about uh, you, Nikki? What's your experience? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, so it, indeed that's why I said this because I also often notice because I study logic and I, I just noticed that since I can dress kind of feminine or behave in a feminine way, I immediately notice that people just expect just don't expect that i'm able to do logic or math um and yeah that is that's just ridiculous like Mm -hmm. that it that people work like this but i guess it's also human in a way Mm
2: -hmm. yeah yeah let's change that yes (laughs) that's why we're here
3: (laughs) That's, that's actually actually interesting because i recently had a talk with a doctor about it and she said uh, I was the only woman on my department, and she was like, I had to like dress more manly to be more included.
1: Yes, yeah, that's so annoying, and I feel the temptation to do it, but I won't.
0: <laughs> okay, maybe it's uh, time for a song. Um, I want to play a soul, uh, "Wildfires" by Salt. It was uh, released about a year ago, uh, just after uh, uh, George, the police killing of George Floyd, and uh, yeah, they sing about uh, police brutality against African uh, Americans. Okay, let's talk about uh, the underrepresentation of women in academics. Uh, in school we actually see that girls outperform boys, also in science and maths. Um, However, after that, um, if women choose to study science, they often disappear from academia after their master's degree. Uh, and compared to other European countries, in the Netherlands we have the smallest percentage of women in academia, namely only 25 percent percentage of all researchers are women. So, um, yeah, I'm wondering, or uh, Rosie, do you have any ideas on uh, why that could be?
1: Many reasons, <laughs> I think, yeah. So, one
2: of the reasons is I think the unfriendly um, environment sometimes which is created in science. For example, um, if you want to get a baby, um, then you're most likely to get fired or get, like, lower in salary. Uh, especially, like, I heard that when like a woman gets a child, her salary drops by four percent while a man's salary increases by six percent. Which Increase is what, Yeah. <laughs> so for men, man it's nice to have a child, but like when a woman has a child then she all has kinds of um, yeah, negative impacts on that. So that's one thing for yeah. sure.
3: Yeah, I just think that the
2: structure of
3: working or how we think about work life is so male centered, it's like there's when we expect women to come into the workforce or work or even like study like in every single way there's a hurdle that we have to overcome because it's not designed for us actually to work in that in that structure it's really interesting that also in medicine when a lot of Women start a lot of girls start. It's like, oh my god, I want to be this medical specialist, this medical specialist. And now, when you actually are in the workforce, you're actually doing internships on the departments. You're just, oh, this is way too heavy. I still want to have a family. I still want to do this. And a lot of them then don't end up being a medical specialist within the hospital. And you you, you, you sort of see that, and that's really interesting because at the first you have all these dreams, and then. But, which is actually weird because men wanna build families too. Yeah,
1: but I guess indeed it still happens that women, you know, uh, end up taking care more of the housework and the caring responsibilities just naturally in some way. Yeah. But and what kind of things did you refer to that you, uh, when you say that the, um, the workspace or especially then academics are, are designed for men? Like what kind of things? do you know any examples
3: any examples yeah uh, people always directly go to kids but it's also more it's just it's also men hire men and specifically if it's Mm -hmm. white or when it's white men they hire other white men at every if I talk about medicine like getting into med school then doing your bachelors doing your masters then getting into a specialization even a PhD every white men are the gatekeepers of all the of the whole process and that's and that's the thing that's, that makes it harder to actually come further into the process and get to the point where you want to be. And the specialization is also harder for a lot of uh, other marginalized groups, ethnic minorities, to get in a specialization that they want because you have to fit in the group. But yeah. I always I always find it so interesting when white men say, Yo, you have to fit, just fit in the group. But it's like, fit in the group. What does that mean?
1: Because it, it's still also often a social thing, right? Yeah, that really. When you want to get invited for a certain research position or whatever that people yeah eventually I don't know maybe they just yeah they will sooner hire someone that looks like them because they maybe feel socially comfortable around it could
3: be but one of the things that's also interesting is like how especially in science where you do a PhD or science you're really dependent on the person that has to Uh, evaluate your work have to look at your work so it's also sort of creates an unsafe environment and it also could scare away a lot of women which I understand because you have horrible stories of uh, sexual violence within an institution as a university
1: yeah and do you both want to continue after your master's degree do you already know this
2: Mm, yeah still doubting I always felt like I want to go into research because I want to create a better world um yeah so i think that's my priority but at the same time i have to pay a huge study loan (laughs) so then i thought okay maybe i can go into business first and then later what my heart deserves i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah
3: yeah i want to continue research i don't see myself working in the hospital as a doctor but doing research behind the scenes nice uh,
1: and you want to do that in the netherlands or not
3: (laughs) no 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 no. i want to go like branch out because here in the Netherlands, well, that's one of the things that I just, what I, no, I don't necessarily think it's a very wrong, but it's something that I cannot handle or deal with. And it's that we don't have enough statistics and numbers about people like me. Mm-hmm. We just don't report ethnicity. And the Netherlands There's a lot of reasons for that. But in, the, in America, in everything that you fill in, you always have to fill in your ethnicity, mm-hmm. or your cultural background. And it gives a lot of data and a lot of numbers, yeah. and you can do a lot with that. Yeah, of course there are downsides to it But I need to know more Of what my community is going through Especially in the medical field To make it better mm-hmm. yeah. And in the, in the States They have a lot of research mm-hmm. Specifically in ethnical um, Health inequalities And in the UK So those are the two That we're now on my main list Of going to after I'm done With my studies
1: Yeah I get that And so is that why In the Netherlands We have so little data uh, On racial minorities in science Because we don't We don't register that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Exactly. You saw that that was an issue during the outbreak of COVID, Mm -hmm. because we didn't have enough numbers about how it would affect different groups.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And when when you uh, when you have this question, like, do you consider to uh, to to continue in academia? Does it play a role, like this idea of, oh, I I want to continue because then I can contribute as a as a good example for other. Women, does it play a role or not really?
3: Mm, good question. I think yeah, of course you want to become a role model, also for your community, but you also need to do um, the stuff for you, for yourself. Yes. Because in the beginning, when I started, I was like okay, I don't mind being the first black woman in this workspace. I'm gonna change it, but eventually, I'm just like no, I don't want to do that. I just want to go to a workspace and uh, where there's already women that look like me and where I feel safe, safe and included
1: yeah
3: now i'm just not like i'm want to build this no 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 it's yeah like, you need, need to, to feel re- safe yeah exactly i'm gonna just look up safe spaces where i can work i'm not gonna be the one building it up no i just i just think that's gonna take a mental toll on you so no yeah
2: no it's indeed good that you say that because i always felt the first thing like i want to be that role model maybe like the first one but yeah if you think about it on a later period especially if you're doing it for a very long time, then mental breakdowns for sure exactly yeah you
0: maybe we can maybe we can play the next song it's uh, from Sada Bonaire again we had one already in the first episode but it's just a really cool album and it's called uh, more women so it really fits the, the context
1: So um, let's talk now about the the influence that the underrepresentation of women and racial minorities might have on, on science itself. So what science produces, um, because we see that, um, uh, yeah, or there's this one theory that I know of a philosopher of science, Helen Longino, and she argues that um, that it actually makes science less objective, the fact that women and racial minorities are underrepresented, because she argues that, okay, in general, there's always background assumptions that play a role in science, um, because, yes, you just cannot delete all subjective preferences that people have. Um, so she argues that to have as mo- the most objectivity as possible, you you need to make sure that... You have as much different background assumptions as possible, and that it's like wrong if there is one group of people, namely white men, who all, uh, yeah, who all in, use their background assumptions to do science, which can, yeah, it can lead to very different outcomes um, in science. So, and we are curious if you have noticed anything like this in your own fields. So, um, Mirro, I wanted to ask you. So, you do uh, medical science. If you know of any examples where you see that the underrepresentation of uh, of non-white people specifically um, has led to a bias in in medical science,
3: uh, yeah, there's like one topic that is really heavy in my heart that that and that's what I want to uh, pursue researching and when I'm done with my studies and that is uh, black women in particular uh, related to gynecology and obstetrics. To, so, uh, like. Um, delivery babies pregnancy Mm -hmm. Uh, the black maternal mortality rate is high is five times higher than compared to white women in the us and the uk here we don't do research on ethnicity so here we don't know and uh, maternal mortality is fairly uh, low in the netherlands Hmm. but um so in the uk and in the in the us they have a higher rate of dying during uh, child delivery and um there's another research that was done by the beginning of this year that showed that when babies get delivered black babies get delivered by black doctors, they have a higher chance of surviving. Whoa. So that is also something like when so when your doctor is black, the chances are higher for you to survive. So we need to have more people Particularly because I talk about a black female experience all the time because that's my perspective. I need more women like me in my field to advocate for our um, health. For our health inequalities, for our health problems, so that Black women have a higher chance of dying during uh, pregnant during uh, delivery, I need to advocate for that because other people that don't look like me don't see that as an issue or don't see that that's going on. Yeah. A lot of Black women have are afraid sometimes even enter the per- the um, maternal health care. Uh, Pathway or journey through their whole pregnancy Because they're afraid of dying Or that things will happen Or they're not getting taken uh, seriously by their doctors mm-hmm. Here in the Netherlands We don't have a lot of research about that But when you ask women in your own circle In your own social, so, so, social circle they, they give the same stories The stories like Oh yeah, I need to dress representable When I go to the doctor Or I need to be especially um, I need to over Over um, exaggerate my pain for them to actually mm. take me seriously. And that yeah. is, those are the things that you're like, uh, that's not how this should happen. Like, we sh- you should just believe your patient, treat every patient the way that they should be treated and take them seriously.
1: Yeah, so you hear this specifically from other black women yeah, to or you people. Yeah, so hear in the Netherlands. Yeah, it's yeah.
3: Like, but that's like in my own social circle. I cannot say that's like, mm-hmm. that is scientifically proven. <laughs> yeah. but, it's, but it's like what you hear. Mm-hmm. So... That's those are the things where you're like we're underrepresented and there's no, no one really advocating for our health specifically and the things that are happening because we're just not we're not all there. And that is and that is that is sad. I just wanna see more black girls studying medicine, doing research within the field, in the within the Netherlands and also like teaching on medical uh, faculties and being doctors in hospitals. Yeah.
1: And is it also true that in, or is this like a myth that there are some things different about like physiology of black people and white people?
3: No, that is no, no, no. That is like, that comes from, that comes from like slavery. That is, that we can endure pain more. No, that is just, that is horrible. That is, Mm -hmm. that comes from, that comes from slavery. That is no, there's like, there's, there's, there's like one Thing that I find so interesting because now I'm in my um I'm doing the rotations and internships in the hospital, and I'm gonna start with babies, gynecology. And you know who the father is of gynecol of modern gynecology? That's a guy mm-hmm. named J. Marion Sims, and he's also like a physician during slavery in the southern states of the US. And he performed surgeries that we still do today on women, on enslaved women
1: what he performed
3: those surgeries that we still do today yeah he performed them to he made he perfected them on uh enslaved black women
1: to practice them oh whoa! yeah
3: to practice without anesthesia because he believed that we don't we we experience pain differently than white women
1: oh that's insane
3: so that is that and we and we never we never talk about it Mm-hmm. During our classes, there's no awareness about that. Yeah. I mean, like, do you do you guys know like the speculum, the in the back that you like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Like he was the he was the he um, he invented that. And now when we during class we talk about consent, you have to you have to talk to your patient, you have to talk them through the examination where you do it because it's a very personal and intimate mm-hmm. examination. So we talk about consent a lot. But the thing is, the guy that actually invented it never to consent into account and slave black women were property so they had never they could never consent to anything they were someone else's property and we don't discuss this during class and that's one of the things that i'm just like we can highlight more Mm -hmm. just to go back to history and different things yeah
1: yeah that's um, very important
0: and you uh rosie do you have uh, examples of um things in i don't know data science or for artificial intelligence uh, where you see um that things are developed that's somehow encourage discrimination maybe
2: yeah for sure like uh i have this example from my psychology class uh, which they showed neural networks and in introduction to that and they also showed some examples of neural networks that cl- classified wrong and then there was this picture of two black people and they weren't classified as people but as gorillas and that's super wrong, yeah, because they're human of course but then you see that the data which is used is mostly focused on white people. So when you show a black person, then it's not, um, yeah, it's not, um, how do do you say that?
0: They recognize it or classified? Yeah, recognize correctly, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, so stuff like that and also uh, other things with facial recognition. I know this example of a black man and uh, he couldn't unlock his phone because his face wasn't recognized and then he put on a a white mask and then his face was recognized. So these are examples of, um, yeah, like this is maybe small because you can't unlock your phone, but if you apply this, for example, to... uh, police forces that they are looking for someone with facial recognition, then you have an extreme high chance that you classify as uh, someone of black color um, mm-hmm. yeah, wrongly than someone of white color. So, um, yeah, that's pretty dangerous, I think.
0: Yeah. So yeah. if you use uh, your data incorrectly, the, the technologies can lead to very bad results. Yeah, true.
2: Yeah. yeah I also noticed a uh, data set. Um, which is used by facebook i think or like big companies um, and they are very gender biased as well for example if you have a picture of a laundry or a cooking then they're mostly classified as belonging to women instead of also to men so then also in the data and also in the algorithm how it classified
0: is it's very gender bi- biased as well mm-hmm. yeah i also know of one other uh uh, example in science it's it's not related to technology but it does uh, it is an example of of where uh, yeah women are somehow less rep- represented so it was i think a few months ago was an article in the volkskrant uh sort of newspaper here in the netherlands uh by ellen land she's a sexologist um also at the university of amsterdam she's really cool but they were uh, i don't know the exact story but they were somehow working on a uh, women viaga pill and i think at first they were like okay maybe this is very good for for women Um, but then she kind of was involved in it i guess but she noticed at some point like oh um, there were actually only men working on the project and it kind of turned out that it was rather worse than good for women because because of the pill that pill if they had problems, um, it was not that they didn't discuss anymore, like, oh, what, what, uh, what, what's your problem? Maybe we can solve it. It was just like, oh, we just give this pill, and then you want to have sex again. That's and nice. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting yeah, article. Yeah, so
2: probably it was mostly tested on men then instead of women? Or?
0: That I don't know, but it was just, yeah. like, this perspective where they didn't even, yeah. like, investigate the problem of yeah. the women. Like, why do they need
1: the yeah. pill in the first place? No, it's true <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Because why so the Viagra was just to increase sex drive or Yes, yeah. Oh. So
0: they have the, the problem initially was like, Oh, they don't have enough sex drive. We give this pill and it's solved again.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Sounds
0: strange. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was an interesting article. Um well maybe we can go to the to next song. It's a song from Jessie Lanza. It's called V Violence. Uh it's from an album I listened a lot to when I was a teenager. I really like it. <laughs> and um yeah, this song in particular, it's like I don't know exactly what she is talking about, but it circles around this idea of um yeah, not being hurt or like being cut down and being told that she does it all wrong. Um yeah, and sadly like some uh, minorities know that feeling a bit too well um but yeah what i like like all the about the songs that whatever frustrations she has she she invites us or this song invites us to leave the frustrations behind and uh, and dance like and dance dance them off <laughs> <laughs> nice.
4: yeah i say it to your face but, face, but it doesn't, doesn't mean a, mean a thing. thing no, no. no.
5: You don't even talk-
1: Did you want to start?
0: So uh, luckily, more and more research nowadays is focused on making science more equal. Uh, For example, the University of Amsterdam has set up uh, the Human Artificial Intelligence Research Inquiry that stimulates new research at the University of Amsterdam on societal consequences of the development of artificial intelligence and Mm. also automated decision-making. In fact, I'm actually... like. Working on one project that's part of it. Um, and also, someone else that's doing a lot for uh, responsible artificial intelligence is Sene Kabrab. I hope I pronounced correctly. Gavriel. Yes, Gavriel? Okay, Gavriop. yes. Thanks for correcting me. Uh, he's uh, he's a scientific director of the Civic Artificial Intelligence Lab. And uh, the lab develops uh, AI technology to increase equal opportunity in the fields of education, welfare, environment, mobility that kind of things. So, um, yeah, Rosie, do you, uh, you, you know, do you know uh, him? And
2: Yeah, yeah, he was actually my uh, thesis supervisor for my oh, bachelor thesis, cool. so I uh, know him pretty well. And he was also my mentor when I was at Amsterdam University College. So, uh, yeah, really inspiring person. Uh, so I also did my bachelor thesis at the Civic AI lab, which is uh, one of his labs. Mm-hmm. And I um, focused on environment. So we looked at uh, predicting... Uh, social inequalities by street images so for example you have a street image in Amsterdam and then from that you can see inequality in, for example uh, income or or uh, health um, so like for my research it turned out that it was like half predictable but I know that for Amsterdam we don't have um, like a lot of data if you look at uh, the UK where this research was originally performed there they had a lot more data so Yeah, the outcomes were pretty much better as well. Um, Yeah, so that's one of the examples for which AI can be used for good Mm -hmm. as well. But I know that at the Civic AI AI Lab, yeah, they also do things with health and uh, mobility and education and very good things. And they're also um, connected to the Innovation Center for AI, which is a national organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know where I live now in Nijmegen, where we have the Donders AI for neurotech which is also connected to the uh, innovation center for ai um, and there they do things with um, restoring vision in the blind or um, regaining motor control in a paralyzed so that's actually the research um where i want to get into when i'm done with my masters so we'll see if that works out i hope so because Amazing. it's uh
0: so this field of good. kind of related to health you mean
2: Yeah, yeah. So neurotech, so more health and uh yeah, mm-hmm. restoration of yeah, patients and yeah motor control and
0: also auditory control, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Rosie or Nikki, do you have any examples of uh that you know of where they yeah work on projects to increase equality in science? Not me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I think I think yeah, I, I don't know of many think so maybe we can. Um, maybe it's a sign it's not enough then. <laughs> Sorry,
0: I said maybe it's a sign that it, that there are enough enough projects on it yet.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I think that like aside from project in science, there are just many things that we can try to do uh, to make sure that more women and racial minorities get into academics and that it makes it easier for them. Um, So, yeah, we had some discussion points or like some points that we thought we could debate about whether we think that this is a good, um, yes, a good policy to to, uh, to use. So one thing that I think a lot of people talk about now is is the quota. So if you will give a university certain quota to make sure that they that they have an equal amount of of women in in different research positions. So I'm just curious what you think. I mean, I guess that you agree with it, but
3: wanna go first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I honestly I find quota always a little bit not strange, but the thing with quota always is um. Um, are they trying to get in an, A fair amount of women Or is it always like one woman On this department, one woman in on that department Because with quota, in my opinion You don't change the environment That is still toxic sometimes mm-hmm. So when you're the only woman In that, if you're put in that environment It can sometimes be really tough Because you have to make the changes Or you're put in that environment And it's still toxic, sometimes even still Sexist, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm always like I don't want to uh, uh, protect the woman's mental space and everything so that she can still do her job so that's why i'm always like mm, what kind of quota are you looking at how are you going to implement it what are you, you going to do with it but i mean like we're at a stage right now that i think we actually have to go towards that because otherwise it's not going to change mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Yeah, that, yeah i always feel like you kind of have to go through it but i feel like yeah it's kind of necessary but it will help because if you have the quota. In the sense that, like, it's not just one but Mm -hmm. a few, then Mm -hmm. yeah, you don't have that problem that we mentioned before that you're the very first one there. Yeah, if if you're a group, it's just easier to get in and you feel more comfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And people often say that, or some people are against quota because they say, oh, but then they will just hire a random woman that maybe is not even suited for the job but that's just ridiculous because i that's that's also like described in this book by um by paris that you know it this quote um just just make sure that they that they hire capable women um and it has turned out also there hasn't been like any negative example of a case in which they hired a woman because of course they're going to look for someone who's able to do the job and Mm
3: Yeah, I, I'm always I'm always so appalled by that because I'm just like, I'm broke around at university and I see people and I'm just like, what did you do to get this position? And sometimes it's just like, and let's be really honest when we talk about white men in particular, they. It's uh, it's sometimes even nepotism. I, they know someone in their social circle. Mm, I don't know if this person is really equipped for this position, but he's in my social, so I will hire him in this position. And we never question if they are able to do anything or uh, have the right credentials to do this. But with women, we all we always have to do that. That's say no, mm. no.
1: Yeah, it's, it's true. So,
3: I get so annoyed by that all the time. Yeah,
2: I get that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, another thing is that well, there are some some funds for for women in science. Like sometimes they there are like extra scholarships. Um, but do you think that there should be like structurally more money uh, available for women to do, for example, a PhD research that they have like that they have yeah that they basically um, make sure that there is more money for the women available.
2: Yeah, I think that's a big encouragement as well for women. Um, So, yeah, why not? Maybe, like, in the first place, I I can get that people start whining, like, oh, yeah, but it's not fair. Like, men should get that as well. But I think in order to maybe get that quota and in order to get that welcoming environment, maybe it is needed.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it would be good. Um, And, well, there is another thing that's quite specific um, that I read about that often they say that... um, when when teachers in academia are uh, evaluated they are like often evaluated by the students like after every course students can give give feedback and what happens often is that people in general are just very critical of women and then also of female teachers like uh, this been shown that students are often like oh no either she's Either they are too strict, or they are like they don't have any authority or uh, stuff like this. So often the the evaluations of the teacher um, will come out way worse for women. Um, so she argues that we just should drop every type of uh, evaluation like this. So where. Yeah, that we shouldn't consider these student evaluations and that in all cases in academia, there should just be blind reviews that don't have anything to do with a person's personality. So, for example, also uh, like recommendation letters written by uh, people about women will often um, stress characteristics like, oh, she's super social instead of... Whereas if she was a man, maybe they would have said, oh, he's brilliant or whatever. He's very good at his topic so she argues that we should just only judge people on their academic um merits or yeah
0: yeah that sounds good i think i I had a few months ago i had a like a blind interview no not a blind interview that would be hard Uh, um blind application so at least your your uh, cv and um like a letter and everything i had to do anonymous and then of course interview is hard but i think that was uh, i didn't see i don't see it very often but i really appreciated that they did it here yeah Yeah. it's good yeah yeah, so um, I would really love to discuss more about this. I think it's super interesting. But I also think it's uh, it's time to round off. Sadly. Yes. <laughs> but uh, thank you a lot, Rosie and Mero and That's Nikki. So proud, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for having <laughs> us. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and if you want to learn more, we highly recommend uh, Invisible Women by uh, Caroline Credo-Perez. And um next month we will interview Floros Rulofsen. Uh he's using artificial intelligence to design an avatar that can speak sign language. Um yeah, and always remember if you have any uh, any ideas, leave us feel free to leave us a message uh on the topic or if you if you have recommendations on other topics. We uh, love to talk about it.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you for both being here. <laughs> thank you.
5: Aim en silence, ce que tu penses, émancipence, ce que tu danses, Aimons silence, ce que tu penses, émancipence,
4: ce que tu danses, Aimons silence, ce que tu penses, émancipance. you don't